Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. The love of Romeo and Juliet conducts them to death only because of the senseless hatred of their houses. So says famous Shakespeare critic A.C. Bradley, who sees the tragedy of the lovers as the result of human decision and moral failure. And yet, from the very opening lines of the play, Shakespeare is keen to make us aware that these lovers are star-crossed, that their love is death-marked, and therefore that fate has sealed the future of this doomed pair and there is nothing they can do about it. Fate is the belief that a human being's life has been predetermined. Indeed, throughout the play, and especially at key moments of the action, fate is referred to as the great silent director, orchestrating events that lead to the ultimate tragedy. So which is it? The immorality of the character's free will, or the powerful action of determined fate, which leads to Romeo and Juliet's untimely deaths. Hello and welcome to the first in this audio pie series on Romeo and Juliet for GCSE. In this first podcast, we will consider some of the key critical issues surrounding the play. Romeo and Juliet was written in London in the mid-1590s. The tragic love story is set in Verona, Italy, in the context of a long-term feud between two families, the Montagues and the Capulets. It is one of Shakespeare's most famous plays and has been performed, adapted and revised in countless forms, including ballets, young people's fiction and musicals, including West Side Story, pop songs by the likes of Dire Straits and Taylor Swift, and even an animated film about rival gangs of gnomes. Its enduring popularity no doubt stems from its accessible and adaptable subject matter. The idea of two lovers caught in the midst of a conflict that threatens to overwhelm their love can be applied to a range of different contexts. Shakespeare didn't invent the story though. As with many of his plays, he borrowed the source material from elsewhere, and in this case, from a rather long and rambling poem by a poet called Arthur Brooks. Shakespeare uses lots of details from this poem, but also adds his own unique stamp, not least in the development of the character of Mercutio. One of the most interesting critical aspects of the play is the speed at which the events take place. The whole plot is meant to occur in a period of just a few days, which adds intensity to characters' actions, emotions and decisions. You may think that it is implausible for Romeo and Juliet to fall in love so passionately, so quickly, that they are willing to die rather than be without one another. But if we follow Shakespeare's timescale, this is what he wants us to believe. And therein lies part of the tragedy. That in such a violent and turbulent context of conflict, events can flare up so quickly with devastating consequences. Shakespeare deliberately reworked his material to reduce the scale of the action from nine months down to four days. So this was clearly important in his vision of the play. So the play is about the potentially overwhelming power of human decision then? Arguably, yes. 
but the number of references to fate in the play cannot be ignored. The couple have a feeling that things are going to go wrong from very early on in their relationship, and there are other references, such as when Romeo kills Tybalt in an irrepressible rage in Act Three, Scene One, and says, "I am fortune's fool." And later, when he receives the incorrect news that Juliet is dead, his response is, "I defy you, stars." An Elizabethan audience would have taken these references to fate very seriously, and are likely to have believed that the stars dictated the direction of their lives. Very true. Well, you may have seen Baz Luhrmann's famous 1996 film adaptation of the play, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. If you have, you can't fail to have noticed all the religious iconography in the film. Even in the opening sequence, a huge statue of Jesus seems to stand over the city of Verona emotionlessly, while bloody scenes of urban violence are enacted beneath him. Characters wear symbols of Catholicism. Crucifixes appear at various key points, and when we first meet Tybalt, he opens his jacket to reveal a waistcoat bearing the image of Jesus. Which is visually juxtaposed with a holster containing his gun. The director is clearly suggesting the interpretation that God is callously overseeing the events of the play, and that he deliberately allows the characters to suffer in order that his purposes are fulfilled, or perhaps that the characters use religion to justify their violent and vengeful deeds. Yes, it is rather unsettling. Shakespeare is more vague, however. He refers less to God and more to the workings of fate in a more generalized way. There are lots of apparent coincidences in the play that suggest that everything is working towards a predetermined event. Can you give us some examples? There are a great number, but to name just a few, Romeo first sees Juliet at a Capulet party. He and Benvolio only found out about the party because the servant who delivers the invitations cannot read and asks for Romeo's help to decipher the names and addresses of those invited in Act One, Scene Two. And Romeo only determines to go to the party because it's going to give him the opportunity to see Rosaline, with whom he is in love at the start of the play. It just so happens that it's a masked ball, so Romeo will be able to sneak in without being noticed. Then, when Romeo first sees Juliet, he asks a servant her name, but the servant doesn't know. So Romeo and Juliet lose their hearts to each other before they know the other's identity, and by then it's too late. Later, in Act Three, Tybalt only wants to fight Romeo because he considered it an insult that he gate crashed a Capulet party. It's only because Romeo refuses to fight him that Mercutio ends up dying, and it's only because of this murder that Romeo then kills Tybalt. And these events are arguably the catalysts for the whole tragedy. And then, of course, there are the false reports of Juliet's death, and the fact that the apothecary in Act Five only agrees to sell the poison to Romeo because the apothecary is poor and needs the money. Yes, not to mention Friar John's failure to deliver Friar Lawrence's letter to Romeo in Mantua, but we are getting ahead of ourselves. All of these things will be explored in detail later. For now, the point is that fate is evidently at work throughout the play. You have made a good case for this, but we also need to consider the decisions that the characters make for themselves and the extent of their culpability. 
For example, you could argue that the actions of Romeo and Juliet themselves are very rash. That's a good point. Juliet herself describes her contract of love with Romeo as too rash, too unadvised, too sudden in Act 2, Scene 2. She's clearly aware that their feelings are overwhelming them both, and yet they both carry on regardless anyway. And then there are the Capulet parents. Not only are they guilty of a deep-seated hatred towards the Montagues, as A.C. Bradley pointed out, but also Lord Capulet is very demanding and expects that Juliet will do as he says and marry Paris. Having agreed to the marriage, he then even brings it forward in Act 4, Scene 2, accelerating the disaster with the words, I'll have this knot knit up tomorrow morning. And Lady Capulet is no help at all to Juliet. In Act 3, Scene 5, when Juliet begs her for her help in the face of an arranged marriage that she is desperate to avoid, Lady Capulet replies, Talk not to me, for I'll not speak a word. Do as thou wilt, for I have done with thee. She's not exactly maternal. That is quite harsh, but you can understand her frustration, given that she doesn't know about Romeo, and she and her husband have worked hard to find a suitable match for Juliet. Paris is, by all accounts, quite a catch. OK, well, let's think about Friar Lawrence then. He's arguably to blame for everything that happens. He agrees to marry Romeo and Juliet in secret. Yes, but only because he thinks it will turn their household's rancour to pure love, which is in Act 2, Scene 3. And it's him that gives Juliet the poison that leads her to fake her death. Well, perhaps she would not have needed to fake her death at all if Romeo had not been banished to Mantua. And he would not have been banished at all if Tybalt had not been so aggressive and belligerent. The fight in Act 3, Scene 1 is definitely Tybalt's fault. Or maybe it's Mercutio's. Romeo could have just walked away if it were not for Mercutio's refusal to let things go. OK, so perhaps all the characters are to blame to some extent. I think we are back where we started. Surely all the characters are doing is fulfilling their role in the theatre of fate. Another argument in favour of this is the fact that the whole story is told to the audience before the action even begins in the prologue. This allows Shakespeare to use dramatic irony to powerful effect throughout the play because we know far more than the characters do about what's going to happen next. It also reminds us that the events of the play are unchangeable. We know that we are about to watch the characters careering towards their deaths and that fate is going to exact its terrible toll. So in some ways, Shakespeare is reminding us that the playwright is like the god of the theatre. He has predetermined the events and so they will happen in that way? Yes, I suppose so. The effect of this is arguably that it makes the audience all the more involved in the action, because we know that any happiness is only temporary and that the ending is certain. It's important to remember that any good essay about Romeo and Juliet will explore multiple interpretations and they are all plausible. There's no right answer. That's why directors and actors continue to explore this brilliant play. We'll return to lots of these issues as the series goes on, of course. In our next episode, we'll look especially at context, and particularly ideas about marriage and the role of women in Shakespearean England. For now, though, a good starting point for you to consider after you've read the play is whether you agree with A.C. Bradley that the love of Romeo and Juliet conducts them to death only because of the senseless hatred of their houses. 
or whether you think that there are other ways to explain the play's tragic events. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.